Pay up, pay up, pay up. It's Ben Random here. This is Loose Lips. This is the final chat of the day, and I'm going to be catching up with Ben Bowers. Uh, ben Bowers is a specialist guitar tech uh, for the band Rival Sons. He's just joined the group. He's going to be sending me uh, requests, and then we'll be getting to go live with our chat as well. But not only that, uh, nice one, everyone who's coming through in group as well. Shout out, Greg. Shout out, and Yellow. Big up, man. Big up. There's a lot of people coming through. Uh, Ben's just sent us through the request, so I'll accept that and uh, it'll be coming through. It's cool. There you go. How's it going? I'm good, mate. How are you? I'm great, man. This is interesting, isn't it? It is, it is. Well, I was just sort of uh, just going to be uh, saying to everybody who's uh, watching and obviously when it gets shared as well. Uh, the chats that I've had today. So I had Danny Deville, who's a director and photographer. He was mm. talking about like how he became to be doing what he's doing. Spoke with Dan, who's the drummer of Liam Gallagher, who was like obviously taking us through his pre-career, and then the whole Liam Gallagher juggernaut. Yeah, quite, quite. I listened in on that one. Yeah, quite a story. It's pretty cool. It's, it's interesting to see what he's been up to because everything we do has stopped, you know. So. It was yeah, good yeah, to because exactly. yeah, to... the whole industry, and we'll cover mm. that. But it, it's literally just halt. It is on halt at the minute. So yeah, because mm. I wanted to know if he'd been on a um, maybe like bit of a tour before they'd come to where they were, or had they just stopped. So yeah, that yeah. So anyone who's uh, wanting to hear a bit more about that, check that on my live, or also I'll be posting up all the chats that I do uh, on my YouTube, and that'll be shared out. Just then spoke with Ralph Lawson, who is the head-on show of 2020 uh, recordings, 2020 Vision recordings, and uh, well-known DJ and producer. And now we come to danger, danger, Ben Bowers, <laughs> the main man himself. Yeah, how are you? And, and to bring it full circle, because you said this is a bit strange, it is a bit strange, but I wanted to bring you into this. I wanted to mm. uh, bring you on involved with like loose lips and have a chat because you, you, a, you have some of the best stories. Like <laughs> you do have some of the best stories, but also the career that you do, it's not really a, a career that is set out as I'm going to go out and I'm going to do that. You've really maneuvered things behind the scene, bettered your craft and almost been touted, you know, yeah, it's been a strange, it's been a strange be, one, yes. Yeah, to quite be spotted. So I really want to get stuck into that. But before we sort of yeah, delve into that, you were in America as this was all really booting off from this side, weren't you? So you, you were going out for South by Southwest. Mm, that's correct, yeah. And mm. then do you want to take up from like being out there to how you got back? Because we haven't actually spoken had... about this. No, I know. It's like I came back from... That's why I've not, I've not caught with anybody other than via the internet or FaceTime because I flew back from America straight into just lockdown. It was a bit, it was a little bit strange, but we, we were out there doing a thing and, um, you know, that didn't happen. And, uh, we kind of had to fly home and get out of there. It was getting really stressful. Um, and then it was really strange to land because people didn't seem to care too much. And I came home like coming in hot and my housemates, I'm like, get inside, you know, like it was a zombie movie. <laughs> But yeah, it got pretty, it went from like, this is kind of funky to fuck, this has really gone south. And to a point where we booked emergency flights to get ourselves home because um, the airline that two of us were flying home on, you know, left us high and dry. Um, and I think 
Sam did a bit of research and looks like the airline crashed out. So we were, we just kind of like didn't want to get stuck out there really, and you know, run out of money. Cause you know, we didn't know it at the time, but um, I think we did know at the time, the rest of our summers have been canceled. You know, we were in America working and scouting at a, at a festival with a, with a friend, Johnny and Sam and um, everything just stopped really quick. So yeah, we had to kind of freak out and get home in the end. Mm. So you've seen that side of it where you could have been trapped over there. That must have been a big mm. west. It was a little bit because it was surreal, to be honest, because we were, we, were we were in Austin where um, I'm not going to talk about the place like I, like I know it really well, but two of my friends, very good friends, um, my, my buddy Sam and his buddy Johnny, they go to South by Southwest Festival every year. They're kind of parts of the furniture, and um, I've never been able to make it out there, so... I've heard all about it, really excited. We did a trip leading up to Austin. Um, so we were in New Orleans just before we flew to Austin. And nobody seemed to give a fuck, you know. The vibe was alive. Everybody was having a good time. The bars were full. Um, and then when we landed in Austin, you know, I think for me it was surreal because it was so empty. But I think for the two I was traveling with, we were totally freaked out because they used to seeing it flooded with entertainment and people. And um, when we arrived, there was one bar open, the, the, the white uh, the White Horse was open playing music and then even, you know, they just crashed out. The whole place stood still. It was kind of freaky. So to go like from that to Leeds and, you know, everyone's like, yeah, it's kind of freaky. You know, maybe it'll be okay. And I'm just like, you know, everybody inside <laughs> kind of came in hot on the way home, you know, paranoid, I guess. But I mean, it went, it turned pretty, turned pretty crazy pretty quick, didn't it, over here? How have you, uh, you know, when you've been speaking with your friends and stuff within the industry, how, mm. how like, what's your view with it? Do you think it's going to have a... What do you think the changes are going to be from the fallout of this? It's hard to know, really. Um, obviously, quite a few of us have been chatting and pondering. And first things first was like, you know, how are we going to... You know, we've all lost a lot of money. How are we going to survive? So it's kind of been going through the... We've all been going through stages um, to figure it out. But it seems like our country, you know, the country and the government are doing the same. Everyone's just figuring this out day by day. So there's no infrastructure, really. Um so we've kind of been uh, tr trying to kind of advise anyone who's come to me if they've not got there already is that we don't really know how far this thing has crashed yet. So there's no point rebuilding something halfway, you know, because it might get torn down further. So I think it's just time to be smart and be wise and then see what happens when the dust settles. But it would seem pretty, it would seem pretty bonkers to have large gatherings of people in such a dense, densely populated kind of size, like a field or a stadium. You know, it just seems like, it doesn't feel like that will be realistic. So, yeah, you know, and we, weirdly as well, we've had a little bit more time to um, get to terms with it because the music industry was what crashed first. You know, everything just, festivals were being cancelled and we were like, okay, well, all our work had gone for summer and the rest of the year mainly. That kind of hit pretty quickly. So I think the music industry are like maybe a little bit ahead of some people because we got it, you know, a large dose of what's going on really early in this storm. Um, but yeah, it's been interesting. None of us really know what's coming, but everyone's supporting each other and being cool. Management and, you know, and bands. So there's also those people doing good schemes to help out their crew. So it's nice to see um, a good like community of try people trying to stick together, you know. Well, take us into the world. Take us into the world of the crew and oh, the community. Because, mm. as I say, you've got tales for days. And I'm <laughs> sure we're going to get stuck into some of the tales, but I'd like to get to know a bit more of the, like, uh, the actual role itself, a bit more of the actual standard form of it. So can you tell us, uh, not necessarily what you do at this moment, but 
what you did and how you got to where what you do now? Um, hard, hard work would be the first one. You know, that would be how it happened. Just kind of keeping my head down and grinding through the different scenes to find out what sticks. I think it was just like throw everything at a wall and see what sticks, you know. So I did pretty well as a tour manager for a while and that was a direction that, you know, was, was strong and I like mixing audio. I started out in the clubs. Um, Manchester was huge for me moving out, moving out of Leeds after I graduated university, starting to mix the bands in the clubs. Um, and then it all kind of changed really, just sort of shifted gears and things took care of themselves. And there's always an element of adventure with every job, really, especially when you're younger anyway. Someone who hasn't traveled too far and wide when I started the career, all of a sudden I was like, I had like the keys to move in place and put myself around the world and have adventures. So I kind of toyed, it was always like, is there, is there any money for a start? And is it going to be a cool time? You know, am I going to have a, am I going to enjoy myself? Am I going to get something from the experience? Um, so yeah, kind of just let it go there. And sometimes some people take you further down that rabbit hole and then you'll come across somebody else or something else or, uh, you know, an opportunity and you happen to be there at the time and just kind of meanders through the trades that way, really. And um, just try and make the best decision and be cool. Cause you know, if you, if you're nice to be around people, you know, hire you and, uh, I mean, you can learn the rest, can't you? <laughs> I learned most, the same time, learned most of what I do out, there, on the, out on the road, you know. It's the, it's, the, it's the evolution of the different roles. So, as you say, you've been tour manager. You're now like a tech. You've spent, you, you know, you know the, you know the, the mm. world, but there's so many different roles. Is it just a matter of throwing your answer, seeing what works best? And what, did, I mean... you, did you enjoy the tour managing side? I did, yeah, but it just felt like the time was over. I did. I've done everything until I've stopped enjoying it, and then when I stop enjoying it, enjoying it, try and you know, switch the gears or knuckle down, find a new opportunity, and you just see if the pieces fit better another way around. You know, I always try and do it that way, and and I'm lucky to have um, you know, just keep leaving jobs really, if, or, or you know, if another opportunity comes, kind of don't don't get stale, don't sit around. Um, so yeah, I don't know. It's been been fun. But it's always been nice to adapt. I don't just do one thing, which is, I think that's where I've been lucky. You know, I've been able to, you know, mixing the bands and building the stages at festivals. I've done a lot of that, tons of that. And, you know, flying the PAs in the air and then, you know, managing the people on the stage from a technical side. And then kind of just like, uh, I know how, you know, sorry, I know how dumb bands can be. And you can just help them out and be like, come on, just from being a musician, you know, you can kind of like, if you look around, there's loads you can get, you know, loads of stuff you can get into. It doesn't have to be just one thing, really. But um, although that's kind of what I do now, <laughs> just one thing. Do you find that's one of your strongest assets? Is because you've done so many different positions, is that you can relate to everybody from all their different job roles because you've technically mm. done quite a predominant amount of them. I think in the particular genre I was tour managing in in my twenties, that definitely helps. I've done more than most of the TM. There's no money really in in the scene I was working in, so everyone was younger, and everyone was just there for a good time and a good party. Um, so kind of having to walk in that world, let me have a look at um, development, really. You know, like, how, what can I do? Where can I move? And then some, my key, the key point, I would say, just look around. All the answers are kind of there, you know. Just have a look, a good look around and try and learn a trick or two off, you know, everybody. And try and take that into the next job you do and, and, do, and just work hard, you know. So then that, how, kind of, that kind of shit, yeah. But then how do you become a, special, a guitar specialist? Because I know the backstory to this, but obviously for anyone listening, <laughs> I'd like you to develop a bit more. But what you're currently doing, is it like it's so unique, it's 
a brand new complete system that you've had mm. to go and... It's hard to kind of put it in that box because um, it's a bunch of systems that already exist, but they're all collaborated together in a in a in a in a wild beast um, that you know it's not that easy to tame. There's quite a lot going on with the technical side of the current artist I work for. Um, but how do you and... make that step then? Because at the you know if that's yeah, how do you make that didn't step? Didn't really have a choice, man. I mean, Scott, the 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 artist I work for, the guitarist I work for specifically, his name's Scott and uh, Scott Holiday, and he's He's a good guy, really cool, and he kind of just had this idea of a, a thing he wanted to build, and he knows I get excited about, you know, things to learn about, and, you know, he, he looks like a bit of a, or acts like a badass, but he's a total nerd, really, so, um, yeah, he just sort of threw some pretty crazy ideas around about a new guitar rig that kind of takes me pulling all my hair out to operate with him. <laughs> so he's kind of specialist in a way that, like, I know how to do that job, but you know, someone else could, someone can always come along and take your job, you know, you should always be wary of that. <laughs> so then talk to us about some of the bands that you've uh, worked alongside and how you ended up being with Rival Sons. Because I know that um, you even posted it on your Spotify, wasn't it? That they were your biggest listened to bands. So... Yeah, that's correct. Uh, yeah, you've been, you've, Research, been watching my, uh, you've been watching my account, haven't you? Nice one. <laughs> <laughs> um yeah, that was kind of fun, really. I kind of enjoyed that Spotify day when everybody showed you, um, you know, who was who was in the lead to listen to their favourite band, and um, it was quite yeah, it was ironic to see Sons in there. I do listen to them a lot for two reasons. One is it's healthy to learn the songs of your artist. I always try and do that with whoever I work for in case there's an issue, or just to know the player. You know, learn his songs, learn how he plays, and then you'll kind of see more of what's really going on up there. You know. Um, so I think a lot of it is mainly me just noodling around learning songs and, and being like, mainly because he, he has like so many guitar tunings. We use like eight different tunings per gig every night of the week. So I bet a few of them are me cheeky having a listen and just double check that, you know, if I've restrung something, it's not in the, you know, in the wrong key, <laughs> which I have, I have done before and it was really bad. It's not, <laughs> not, not for him, but for another artist, I've done that and it's not fun. <laughs> but how, so how did you end up becoming with them? Um, I was out on another tour. Um, I was working with a band called Monster Truck from Canada. Very, really good friends of mine. Um, great dudes. We were out in, we were on tour with Deep Purple somewhere throughout Europe. I think it may be Germany or something. And, um, there's a great guy who works for Perps. Um, my friend, uh, Mike Airy, he's a good dude. And there was an opportunity that he put me before and, you know, just naturally end up taking that role on, really, and it just kind of went from there. It's important to get along with, um, you know, who you're going to spend time in a, a tin on the road with for like six or seven weeks at a time. Because when we tour, we go, and so it's like you know, we're, we're always together. So I think it's important to come in straight away and and um, not overkill anything, but you know, you got to be nice. You're not going to get very far if you don't have a good attitude, you know. Um, and uh, that's a that's that's a skill in its own way, making sure you you can adapt and you know you handle your shit around um, different scenarios and you know maybe personalities. Not... Kind of, yeah. I mean, my friend Sam referred to me as a chameleon once. I was a bit struck by it to start with, but then thought about it. I think my ego, in some sort of backhanded way, was like, no, I... something about knowing who I am maybe was there. And but he was quite right. I mean, I've toured with 
tons and tons of artists for like the last eight years, young, old, male, female, um, you know, people on all sorts of kind of drugs, all sorts of kind of poisons that you want to be on. And then, then the not, you know, the people who are stone cold sober and, and there's just, there's just so many dynamics out there and you're walk, walking into someone else's world, you know, that first time you work for a band. Um, what can that you know, be like? Because obviously it, it must be quite close guarded. Mm, well, it's a bit of a freak show, really. That's like the million dollar question. Like, you never know what you're going to get. Because, you know, most technicians are musicians and um, none, you know, we're all a bit edgy as musicians. We can all throw curves left and right. So it's almost like a, it's like a, so, it's like a social experiment, really. You just chuck a bunch of people in there and obviously they know each other. They've known each other for years. Some bands I've worked with, like Monster Truck, they were like old school buddies. There, was, there were deep rooted friendships and, and connections between the artists. So on stage, you could see them all working this out. To be the person on the outside, just trying to guess um, what's going on is, it just takes time really. And uh, some people are easy to get along with and some, you know, some can be difficult, but I like to bring a presence of like, I don't really care too much about who you are um, as long as, you know, we're here to do the right thing. Or then I just move on if it's, you know, if I'm working for someone that kind of buzzing me out and give me a bad vibe i usually move on to someone else and that's pretty much how i end up at rival summers to be honest what's it been like seeing them on the rise that they're on because you've seen them you know be featured higher mm. up on 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 lineups you you were on the james corden show which i just thought was bonkers yeah you there know, was an aston villa there was an aston villa sticker on the middle of the dance floor at the james Corden. um <laughs> i thought you'd like that yeah I stole one of his cards, actually. It was on a shelf that said, you know, one of his um, cue cards. Yeah, yeah. I've got it over here. Ray, look at this. Go on, Bowers, lad. Let me, ask you, let me ask you a question. I've got a few here. <laughs> I think this was when he was uh, interviewing Christina Applegate. Okay, yeah. I'll, I've got time for her, me. She's Have probably you? Corning Stone. Yeah, it's quite strange. I don't think I've ever really read these, but yeah. Reggie's question, he was great. Reggie Watts was um, hosting the jam band there. You must know Reggie. Reggie yeah, Mann, yeah. Powerhouse, yeah. So I was really excited to be there and see him leading the charge. You know, that was pretty cool. That was probably my highlight of the day. <laughs> That's insane. But what's, what was it, what's it like being with uh, a band as the rise as they are? Um, I think it's... Well, if you look around you'll know that you're doing the right thing or the wrong thing, you know. It's nice to know. You can work with bands and you can see when they're kind of tailing off or they missed a shot or a record didn't land or, a whole, you know, an album can not do so good. Um, worldwide or territorial, no, you see, you can see, you can see when bands are going up and down and, you know, if your hotel room disappears, you know that they're making cutbacks, but all of a sudden, if, you know, hotel rooms are nicer and, and stuff like that, you can kind of see the projection of a band, um, but mix of that, you can just feel that in an audience on a tour. Uh, and it definitely makes you feel good. That's why I like working for Rival Sons so much. It's been a chase of mine for a long time to work for, not like the band that are happening right now, but the band that want to happen. I want to help that band. And I've just landed, you know, really well through throughout my journey. It's just crossed, crossed paths with such an incredible band. Um, but yeah, it's given me a damn good opportunity to uh, do something good. So it feels nice. You're all unified in there. If you have that attitude, which... I'm quite connected to my work. Some people are not. It's just a job, you know, but I'm quite connected to what I do. So it definitely feels great when it's when the going's good, you know. You feel like you're part of something real and special and you can 
eradicate any any sort of notions of self-doubt which as a musician i understand what that feels like so it's great to all be in that space where you know something is really happening that's just bigger than you you know there's people out there that want this and you believe in it as well you, you feel kind of like you're um you feel bigger than you are you know you can be connected to more people which is cool so i like that yeah it's not that fun working for a band when on the down though that's, uh, <laughs> that's it's not it's not that great and what are the band like uh lovely it's like a big old family yeah they're really good to me good people um they're all they're all fathers so everyone's everyone's caring um so yeah, it's good. Yeah, it's really good. We've been on a good journey from seeing what, you know, I've been with the band, oh God knows, I don't know, three years. I joined them just after they did that Sabbath tour. They were on tour with Sabbath and then they asked me to join. And I was like, fuck, it would have been nice to be. <laughs> but I was, yeah, but you know, it, it, we've done some incredible stuff since. But yeah, so it's probably about three years. So to watch the growth, they've released an album since then. So when I kind of joined, we were doing festivals, having a good time, partying, we were just slick. And then when we came back, you know, we released a really big record with a whole new approach. So everyone was just kind of figuring that out. So to go through the journey of figuring it out and, you know, building custom rigs to make the success of the tour possible. All that kind of energy that goes into preparing it and flying it around and emailing because they're all the way in L.A. and I'm all the way over here. I'm like the only English guy in, on the road with them. So it's just, yeah, it's just a bit bit bonkers really it's just a bit bit mental <laughs> and what is what is traveling life like you know you when you're going through europe when you're in russia uh, a couple months back and i think russia was the last touring work i did yeah we did we finished in russia last year and we've done i think we've done 238 days on the road um <laughs> plus some travel days so we were just not at home last year we put this record out and it it just exploded so to be on that ride, see all the success, engage it, like you were saying, was cool. But then, you know, Moscow, we uh, fly home to Amsterdam, um, flew to Amsterdam to Manchester, and my old dear picked me up. And so, yeah, it's all sort of crashed down to earth. Um, and then we were expecting some time off, and we had that, and now we've had unexpectedly a lot more. <laughs> mm. And then coming back to it then, you know, you're a musician, you're in your own band as well. How do you find the balance between, obviously, that life and then Blind Hairs? And do you want to get into a, a bit of Blind Hairs as well? Uh, we could do, yeah. We could get into that. Although, uh, recently, we sort of, we're on a bit of hiatus at the minute. We, oh, yeah? <laughs> yeah, yeah. We, uh, and probably a good time for it, really. There's not much going on, yeah. No, no, no gigs right now. <laughs> um, it can be frustrating. Juggling the two is kind of hard. Um, my friend Johnny Newell is, uh, he's a drummer in Leeds who's just spectacular, little Johnny. Um, so it helps that he can cover any show, big shows that I can't do. That's been useful before. But I do remember, um, like flying back from LA. I think, I think I missed, uh, the band were playing a Grammy nomination show or some kind of, they were playing for Black Sabbath was the, 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 the and they added this date on the tour. And I'd, um, I was supposed to be in LA, um, and I was like, I can't play that show. I'm doing a record launch. I'm flying home after this tour <laughs> to do it. So that was quite stressful. I kind of came off a flight from LA straight into my own record launch. Um, so yeah, it can be pretty hard to like, you know, dish the two up. Uh, but mainly loads of emailing and talking on the phone to those guys was, was kind of important. Um, and having the support of the likes of, you know, my boss was kind of like cool to say, yeah, you go home and release your record, man. Like you've had it in the pipeline and I'll just do this show with Black Sabbath and figure it out. You know, like it's quite a Luke, it's quite a nice position to be in with a boss who will 
support your music that you know that much which is cool and they're all they're all like that in the band you know they're interested they've, they've we, we want to know about each of us projects and what we're doing everyone's just really musically charged in that um in that team didn't didn't you get a, a special present from one of them as well which shows that a special present Could me i'm on this mate with my research here with loose lips ben random of all the exclusives What's what, do you, what do you hit me <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm impressed. I, I expect. What, no, but what do you hit? What do I hit? Oh yeah, I mean, Michael, you did do some research, didn't you? Nice one. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, Michael Miley. He's uh, one of my favorite drummers. Has been forever. Works in the band Rival Sons, and just has this unbelievable drum tone that's just brilliant. Um, he's got the sound. He's got the playing style. I love and. I love getting to hang with that dude all the time. Um, you know, above the job of being a guitar technician, you know, me and Miley talk drums all day and ideas and we, we play together. It's just tons of fun. And um, yeah, he, I, I spotted he had a very nice drum kit lying around in Germany <laughs> that I thought would be better off in my studio. So um, he was kind enough to uh, permanently loan me a, a really kind of one-of-a-kind drum kit that, uh, that I'm really in love with right now. It's good. So yeah, kind of that's, that's a good perk of the job, eh? <laughs> I love that. I've got a few more for you, brother, uh, but I'm going to give some shout-outs to people who are listening. So we've got, uh, let's go way back to the top, to the top. Uh, Dave Grant says, yo. <laughs> hey, Yellow's waved and Greg said, zayo. Uh, we've also got Veracity, who says, hello. Or Vera Catty. Veracity. That's the one, yeah. That chick loves cats. She really loves cats. <laughs> I've just... That's why we're late on air to feed my cat. Did uh, you? Yeah, yeah. Bit of a... Uh, oh, Steve Kiley just popped working. up. Hello, Steve, my Canadian Canadian friend. Uh, Stacey Lloyd, shout out. She says, we hey, Bowers. <laughs> oh, Stacey, <laughs> all right. <laughs> uh, Barry Bowers, I believe, is that your pops? That's my old man. Yeah, when you were uh, picking <laughs> Big up your mum, picking you up from airport, he says, your old dear is listening carefully, so shout out to the Bowers. There you go. Shout there out to the go. clan. Uh, and yes, Steve Kiley said hi, hi Ben. Which I'm there we go. Hey Steve, share the best name ever. Yeah, yeah. Steve Kiley's band are ridiculous. They've all got um, everyone in his band has a spectacular name. <laughs> did I read that one? Did I read An Anthony? No, did I read that one out? Anthony Bersaglia. He says, "Oh yeah, what's up, man?" He says, if it wasn't for Rival Sons, I'd never have met Ben Bowers. Best guitar tech <laughs> out there for one of the greatest bands. <laughs> nice one, Anthony. He's too kind. <laughs> so, I mean, what? yeah, I, I'm, I'm really interested in the side of it that you've said, you know, the tour side of it. But now mm. I want to get stuck into some amazing stories. So I'm not <laughs> going to put you on the spot, but I'm going to say what I believe the best story is. I'm going to tee it up. And then you're gonna finish it. And then if you've got any others to to, to sort of style it out mm. in there, let us know. But uh, let's say yeah, yeah, go for you it. know it's coming. You know it's coming. <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's a quite a good one. That one, I like that one. Any any story that starts with the Rolling Stones, you know, you'd expect it to be half decent, or you would hope anyway. So hopefully, I don't disappoint. You want the you want the Ben Bowers version? <laughs> I want the Ben Bowers version, of course. <laughs> It was his whistle, that's how good it well, is. It was, it was wicked. It was, I mean, you, you know what I'm like when I get into the rabbit hole, I start, you know, reliving that shit. I go and get in the zone. Um, yeah, that was good fun. Got to do some shows, the Rolling Stones, thanks to working for Rival Sons, just 
crazy opportunities like that have become normal. Anyway, uh, <laughs> with the bigger gigs, it kind of gets a bit hectic. You know, There's, there can be more rules. There's a lot more going on. Safety's a big thing. And, uh, and you know, there's, you got the walk, Rolling Stones walking around, man. You can't just have um, spaced out little locals running around and offering them, offering them all sorts of bits and bobs. So, you know, managing the Rolling Stones around this in, entire stadium is an impressive, an impressive operation, you know, um, as you would expect. So we kind of like, I think me and, me and Sam were out in Spain and, uh, yeah, he, he, the tour manager rings me. I didn't know I'd really had a gig with Rival Sons and, and too, too officially. And he goes, yo, I need you to fly out. I'm like, oh fuck, I'm in Spain. So where do you want me to fly? And then God knows where we flew to, but he was like, we're going out with the Rolling Stones. I was like, Jesus Christ. So, <laughs> <laughs> So I, I, I fly out to uh, I fly from Spain. Sam drops me off in this great surf trip we're doing. Drops me off in a van. Say goodbye to him. I fly on, um, and you know none of our equipment's been touched in a while. So I'm itching to get on stage. You know, start setting up all this stuff. I used to look after uh, two guitarists at the time, so it was super stressful. Um, as I'm like doing my thing, the 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 boss man goes out the way. Rolling Stones are going to be here, you know, for the next couple of hours sound checking. You can't be here, and I'm like. Fuck kind of stressed out and being like, you know, guys spoken. Anyway, long story short, I have to work upstairs. I'm stretching in strings. I'm restringing maybe two or three guitars in, in the short period, maybe another one. And I'm waiting at like the, the, the line where he stood, that, you know, the stones are there and I'm this way. I'm like stood at the line itching to get up there because my work's cut out for me. And so the guy's like, the stones are coming through now. Everyone keeps to the side and I'm just sat noodling this guitar, you know, stretching those strings in. I'm trying to work and use my time as much. And it goes eerily quiet, you know. Jagger comes out first. And it's just eerily quiet. Like, no one's saying anything. I'm just like, the vibe was just empty, you know. It was, it was strange. So I'm playing a guitar, and, and, and um, it's, Keith comes through next. And uh, he's freaked out, you know. He's like, he's an old dude. <laughs> and there's just tons of people in a, in a big, long corridor. And no one's saying anything, so he's looking around really confused and trying to keep his cool persona, but a bit dried out. And obviously he sees a guitar player, he sees me and I'm noodling and he's just like points over and I'm like, so Keith and then Ronnie comes through and does the same thing and um he sees a guitar and I'm just like, What's up, Ronnie? Nice one, man and some dude in front's just like, Man, who are you? Like, you know, you know the stones and uh, I was like, Nah man, but um I said, hands down, the coolest thing I've ever said. I had to ring my dad about it afterwards. I didn't know, but I was like, no, nah, it's not that, man. I was like, we're all just guitar players, you know? We're all just guitar players. <laughs> and it was ice cold. It was just more silence after I said that. Just ice cold. And I was a bit like, I better style that one out as I, as I rushed to the stage to panically, you know, restring another two or three guitars. <laughs> in, the moment, in the moment, it was like the flyest thing I've ever done. <laughs> Such a sick line, that. That is a sick I know, line. right? I know, yeah. It's dynamite, yeah. <laughs> I've got another two here. Greg's put a uh, Deep Purple, Johnny Depp, Slash. I don't know if they're all together or they're all individual tales. If you want to pick any or a couple <laughs> or all, the floor's yours, Mr. Bowers. Um, and also, you... do you think you'd ever, like, do a book or a memoir? Do you, you ever, like, write all no. this stuff down? God no, it's, it's for the pub. <laughs> it's just pub talk. That's all it is. <laughs> what's your favourite pub? The World's End or so? What's it called? Uh, the Grove Inn. The Mighty the Grove, Grove Inn. Mm, it's the greatest pub in the world. <laughs> it's just stories down at the Grove because there's tons of old, tons of old rockers in there, and um, Nuffle used to drink in there, and there's a big history. Everyone's been through there, and the old boys 
absolutely love their history. It's their stamp on Leeds. And um, my buddy Dave runs runs the shop there, you know, Dave Nolson. So it's, uh, it's, it's kind of good to have a story now and again in there and, you know, in ammo. Because these guys are all talking about, you know, paying like half a pint to go and watch Black Sabbath in the 70s. I'm like, oh, like... It cost me loads of money to do that. Like, you know, it's, it's kind of good to meet these old school cats with something of, of you know, common interest, the rock, the, the world of rock and roll. <laughs> have you, have you, have you, any other tales you want to, you want to share? Or is it literally when we're out of this, everyone bells bowers and we just catch up for a bed <laughs> and you're going to stand on like some beer table in beer garden? Oh, don't say beer garden. I rode past a few today. I went, I rode my bike today and went to Watley and, sat outside an empty pub on my own just to just to feel the energy <laughs> yeah i can't wait till they open again how about that i tell you i tell you what would be a, a nice sort of little transition is uh how much climbing means to you do you want to get stuck into that do you want to have a chat because i know like you really opened up and obviously you don't need to as much as if you don't want to earn that side of it but it's something mm. that is real special to you isn't it i love climbing it's like the most fun thing i've ever done yeah it's great and just taken all my attention uh so yeah it's a bit frustrating that we you know we can't can't do that right now um but there's, there's plenty of other things to do you know there's plenty to do right now i think uh i think people are kind of getting too bummed out about we can't do anything i think there's just tons of things that we can do that we don't usually have time for right now so it's a little frustrating that i can't climb but i've been riding my bike and, and working out and um looking after myself um but yeah the rocks will still be there when this is over. The rocks have been there before our time. They'll be there after us. So. <laughs> what is it about it that you love so much? Is it the social think... element? Because obviously we've got a friend in the group as well, Greg, who's really taken yeah. to it. I mean, the social side of it's pretty interesting, actually. From being someone who constantly leaves. I have deep-rooted friends all over the world. It's great. Um, but other than like being in your band, because I come home and I work with the band, it's all based around, you know, drinking and, and having a having a good time, you know, and I love that. Um, but it's also, you know, it's nice to have, um, it's nice to keep yourself fit and healthy and the communal side's, you know, quite fun. Most of my friends are rock and rollers, you know, they wouldn't say we all think the same way, but we all sort of tend to think a certain way, you know, in, in the booze and let's just say the rock and roll world. Uh, so it's been nice to kind of like, try you know do something that's not based around music <laughs> really so climbing's been wicked and and i can't can't take a surfboard on tour with me i can't take a snowboard on tour with me um you can't you can't take any like sports equipment on tour with you you know so but some shoes in the bottom of your, your bag and you know you can kind of go and goof around all day so that's that's my main thing i like about it and when you find yourself in find yourself in a new city with your climbing shoes you can pop down and someone will be fly you know you'll bump into someone do you get to do that on your on your downtime on your sort of days that you get to yourself do you get to <laughs> yeah i made that that's sort of mandatory it's kind of like to the point where even the tour manager or the band you know they'll be they'll, they'll i found this place or did you know this is here and they'll kind of like advise spots to go which is cool and um but yeah it's good i make that i make that a thing it's been a it's been a centerpiece of my life after um just having some stru struggle focusing on some things since finding that it's given me a new discipline to stay focused when, you know, as soon as, as soon as tour's over, everybody tells me where to go, what to do and where I've got to be and when, and when that's over, you're a bit like, it's easy to get lost at that point. You know, you can be like, well, I can do fucking anything. So I will do anything. And, and um, it's nice to have structure when, when doing that. So, and, and climbing gives me that, that structure. 
Because I mean, on the, on tour, on your days off, you're either going to train or you're going to get drunk. <laughs> and um, it's better it's better to stay sober on tour and focus because you know you can you can get lost down that rabbit hole as, as I'm sure you can imagine. And I'm sure, like you're saying as well, when you've all got the same focus and the same, it almost feels like this connected force that is looking to tech rivals to the highest that they can all that you all want it to be so yeah it feels like it's a good mm. a good match. yeah my my boss got he's sober as well when i met you know he was uh he was having a bit of a good time and we were both having a bit of a good time and sometimes we have a lot of a good time uh festival season's one way you can get you know gets totally loose around festival season you never know what you're gonna get you know maybe you'll fly in somewhere or you'll play earlier it's just like that you might find that there's great opportunities to overindulge in a foreign country with you know some some fun people so uh it's good to see my boss sober up and um from no i mean the guy didn't have a problem or anything he just decided to straighten up and jump off the booze and that's been like really um it's been really important to kind of mine and his game that we're on you know the a game it's like signing for a big football team and i wouldn't want to turn up drunk you know <laughs> like you, when you're trying to win the league or whatever and uh, or you're trying to really achieve something it's best to be like firing on you know all cylinders go and, and it's a hard job as well so attention span is key man so having those days of being hung over in the venue I'm not saying they don't happen <laughs> but having those days of repetitively re repetitively being drunk or hung over when you arrive to a, a gig is it's just something you do in your 20s I guess <laughs> I'm in my 30s now maybe I'm trying to grow up You'll just leave it for ages and then there'll be some new heads coming through and you'll be like, oh, don't worry, I've still got it. Show them up a couple of days and then get back on it, get back to the uh, climbing side of it. Yeah, totally, yeah. Well, I've been really fortunate like, to have people come and have a look at how it's done. I know a couple of, couple of younger people, uh, a guy called Connor's pretty nice. He comes out and has a look at the rig and how we do things at shows. He's just a big guitar fan, a good dude. He's studying at college. Um, I've done that with a few bands. And Slam Dunk Festival, we have those guys have a really good connection with um, the local university. So it's not uncommon that these that I've had someone to kind of shadow and see how it works with me. Um, and I always tell those people, I'm like, if you can do your job drunk really fucking well, you can definitely do it even better sober. So go and get shit faced. <laughs> and um, you know, if you can do it in that condition, then you you can do it. You know, for the rest of your life in better condition. That's kind of how I see it. You know. Uh, the final one from me is, do you feel like in this time, because you've got such a specialist skill, do you ever, could you see yourself setting up like tutorials or workshops like through Zoom or anything like that? Because, you know, going back to the start of the convo, yeah. we're not really knowing how people are going to be earning and stuff. So do you think like there's something there, like there's, a, there's an asset that you've got that people would be up for like signing on and, and getting your expertise? Well, I, th I think there's a market for anything if you brand it right. You know, someone will buy into that. But that kind of—that's not my style. I'll say that's not—that's totally not my style. The best way you can do it is get really stuck in. Um, you know, the night—the nightlife scene is there, the hub of everything, as you know, downtown, man. You know, the, the information and the knowledge that we know downtown is just—it's next to none on what's really going on out there. So, and the music industry is all downtown. So, get stuck in and and you know, have, so you have the contacts as well. Always, yeah, always down the bar, yeah. It's just where you. Sh it's, I mean, it's it's not. There's no secret there. Is that's where you shoot the shit. You know, you get you get stuff done. And so I think um, I'm gonna take 
my boss who we've been rambling on about for a while he had a question from uh from um like the similar thing we were doing he was doing like a live thing with um the guys who build the the amplifiers and the cabinets we use and the, one of the last questions they asked him was um would you do any tutorials lessons and he said it damn straight he was like hell no like you, you know go learn to play guitar go make mistakes go get it wrong go buy the wrong guitars you know do do, do all the mistakes and that's the only way to learn you'll, you'll have a better you'll have a better journey doing it that way than just you know signing up for the uh for the tutorial you know there's a that Todd the Morphor says, show me how to set up my guitar, Ben. <laughs> well, hey, Mofo, whenever we get to go back to work, I will do just that. But we don't know when we're going back. Oh, here's one for Mofo. Oh, it's 4.20 today, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> I've got, I'll introduce you to my friend Mofo here. He's in my putt-putt right now. <laughs> <laughs> That's the Mofo. He's, uh, he's a mighty keyboard player and a stand-up dude good person he tours with us rival sons killer player good person amazing i'm i'm glad that it's going so well for you and that you've got uh you with a crew that respects you and you know you've got your input going in and you're all now striving for the for the, mm. the same thing to make the band yeah yeah feels good yeah feels good yeah <laughs> always love for you mr bowers respect yeah, to your man. parents as well for watching whoa well, there's not much else to do right now, is there? <laughs> <laughs> but now you take it easy, stay safe, mate, and I'll see you on the other side. We'll definitely be right, in the garden. Yeah, yeah, yeah we'll ones. catch up, man. We'll see you soon. Take care, brother. Bye. Bye. There you are, everyone. The legend that is Ben Bowers. What I wanted to speak to him about is that his life, you know, he's always on the road. He's always in a different country. And uh, I just wanted to get a bit uh, no worries, Todd the Morphor, and shout out to uh, Bowers' parents as well, and Greg, shout out, all the love coming through in comments. But no, I just wanted to find out a bit more, and, you know, when you're mates with somebody and you just, you banter flies off all the time, you generally just talk about other things, so it was good to actually get a bit more of an in-depth look into his life, his travels, uh, obviously his experiences, and the stories that he's got to share, so amazing, thank you all for joining me on loose lips my previous chats you can find them on my live so i spoke with danny deville who is a director and also a photographer i spoke with dan who is the drummer of liam gallagher go check that out and then uh, the chat before ben was with ralph lawson who is the head on show of 2020 recordings and also inner city electronic thank you sam huddleston uh, for your comment there and uh, yeah, likewise, I'm Ben Random. I'm doing Loose Lips because it's here to uplift the spirits of the people during this time. We'll get through this together and as one and be stronger on the other side. Shout out to Barry Bowers. Thank you. You stay safe as well, brother. And obviously Bowers' mum as well. And uh, yeah, uh, Anthony Fisaglia, respect, man. Thank you for checking it out. And uh, yeah, I'll be back Wednesday with more guests. Do keep it locked if you like what it's about. Add me on Instagram and then just see when the next chats are following through. Stacey Lloyd, you need to reply to your message because I do want you on as a guest as well. But we'll conclude that in our own messages. And shout out to Sam as well, you know that. Uh, peace and light to you and yours. Stay cool, stay blessed. And I'll see you on Wednesday. Peace. <laughs>